Hi guys, Callum here from Northern Dice and today I'm wanting to talk about how hard it is and how hard I personally have found it, I'm not sure how about you guys, how hard it is to talk to people and encourage people to play the board games that we've got a passion for. I know it's one of those things that you have either got a passion for or you haven't, but there are some people who you are desperate to play those games who are just a little bit set in their ways and just cannot get past the actual idea that a board game is for a certain type of person. So to start off with, I mean, any time that I've spoken about games to any of my family that are not so much inclined to play games, the first thing they've said is, you you seem a bit mad about this. And not mad in the enthusiastic way, but mad as in, like, you, you belong in the asylum. Um, the most common question I get is, how is this a hobby? For many of us, it is a hobby, and it's a passion. And, I mean, for some people, even more enthusiastic than I am about it, it becomes a part of their life. A really big part of their life. It's not something they can just pick up and put down. It's something they almost religiously need to play. And I'll admit, we do get a little bit too defensive about it, especially when we are talking about people. They ask us if it's a hobby, and then the next question you often get is, but isn't it for children? Um, no. And yes, in the same sense. There's nothing to say that there aren't games designed for children, but there are also board games specifically designed for adults. If you've seen on my blog, I recently got Coma Warden. The theming on that and the elements within that are things that I wouldn't actually recommend to anybody under the age of 30. I'm probably not going to play it for a few years in that sense. But that's only because it's aimed around that. The actual target audience is for people of an older generation, people who are more capable of coping with the actual elements within it. And even now, talking about it, I'm getting quite enthusiastic because I want to keep on talking. And I know there's some people who are nodding along saying, yeah, 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 great, fantastic, yeah, fantastic, this sounds amazing. And there are people who are thinking, oh my god, this guy's a loony. And that's, that's fine. I have no objection to that. But it's when you're then trying to implore that those people need to try a game, then you start to look a bit insane and a bit out of the asylum. And I know full well that when we actually get started talking about a game that we have a passion for, we don't stop. We can look even more insane as we carry on saying, isn't it amazing how they've used these bits of wood with little bits of carved in it, little images on the card to make you think, like feel like you're part of the game. And they're looking at you like it is just a bit of wood. Or the fact that the cards have got certain pictures or designs on the back to match the theme and help you build atmosphere within the game. And people looking at you still saying, it's just a card. And I know when people say this, it's not actually going to stop us from having that enthusiasm or wanting to continue talking about it or exploring the different elements within the game that have made it have such a great theming. But when talking to people who aren't gamers, we're probably not helping our case for not being that little bit mad. But then you do get through to some people and some people do say, yeah, yeah, I've played board games before, I've played board games before. And you think, great, this is fantastic, we're making progress. And they say, so do you want me to get Monopoly out? And it's really hard sometimes to not look visibly enraged. Whether you think Monopoly is an acceptable game or not, I know there's some people who don't. It is sort of like a dagger in the chest whenever someone says, board games? Monopoly? And I have got friends who have quite actively lost their temper about people saying Monopoly because when you've got a passion for something as strong as those people, it is hard to accept that some people's only experience with your hobby is the most common basic game that is available and that's not me giving my opinion on monopoly you know I, I think you play what you play it's up to you but we don't really represent ourselves positively every single time when we get that enraged about a game and people say oh wow games must bring out the worst in people no, no i'm not playing with you no you're far too competitive 
And sometimes you do get that little bit step further than going beyond the word monopoly and you actually get people interested in what you're talking about. And you mention something like Catan and like, oh, fantastic, what's Catan? And you say it's a resource management game. And then you have to try and hype up the excitement about trading sheep and wheat for cards or having lots and lots of brick. And people are questioning why brick is a good thing. It's a brick, it has no value. I'm not going to be trading for bricks. I'm going to be collecting as many sheep as possible. And you're struggling to explain that. As valuable as a sheep is in the real world, it ain't going to help you build no house. And if you are able to build the excitement about Catan and resource management games along those lines to someone who isn't a board game enthusiast, you know, I, I commend you. It's something I've never managed to do. I've often had to trick people into playing Catan, saying, let's just try this. No, 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 I'm not going to explain the theming or anything. Let's just let's just have a go and see how it goes. And before you know it, they are hooked because it is one of those things where if you do enjoy it, you do enjoy it. But looking outside in, I can completely see why some people would see that collecting sheep, wheat, bricks and whatnot isn't really going to be the most enjoyable thing to do. Something else I've always really struggled to do with non-gamers is that element of explaining that not every board game requires a D20. People often say, whenever I try to encourage them to play a game, is that they're not going to play a game that requires 15 dice. They're not going to be able to keep track of D10s, D4s and whatnot. And the follow-up is always, but aren't these games for people who live in basements? And first off, it's quite derogatory, you know, not everybody who's a board game enthusiast needs to live in a basement. In fact, I'd, I'd assume that most board game enthusiasts don't live in basements. Don't get me wrong, if you do live in a basement, you're a board game enthusiast, you know, each to their own. I, I completely agree with your style of life. But that's not my point about this little section. This is all about the actual stereotype that we have behind being a board game enthusiast, that automatic assumption that we must be a certain type of person when I have met people from all walks of life and I every single time I've met them and they've said that they're a board game enthusiast each time it surprised me and maybe that is my own automatic stereotyping of people who play board games not even looking at myself in that respect but I'd definitely say there are certain elements of being a board game enthusiast that we all do share certain traits I mean I know full well that myself and most of the people I play with do become overly protective when someone bends a card and as much as the automatic response from people is they're just cards, you can always print some more, or they're gonna break sooner or later. It's that passion inside you that's almost like gritting your teeth, you're cringing as every single little bend and tear. And eventually you just get to a point where you're thinking these people cannot play board games, they just don't have any level of respect for other people's things. But I really doubt that's the actual case. It probably is just that they don't have the same level of passion for us. They probably aren't actually maliciously trying to break the cards or do anything along the lines of causing harm to anything. They just don't have the same passion for us and probably don't have the same appreciation for the actual hobby itself. Another big deterrent of people playing games, following on from the overprotectiveness, is having to explain why your cards are in plastic sleeves. People can quite often see that as the object is very, very valuable. It is, but it's also to give it longevity and make it so you can play it again and again. It's because you play it so much, but people see the plastic sleeves and automatically assume the game has never been played. Pristine condition, we cannot touch this. And I know from my own experience that you don't want to look like a nut to see having to explain that it is so that you can play the game again and again. It's so the cards last longer, but people are slowly nodding away, going, yeah, yeah, sure, it is nutter, I'm sure, very, very much that you've got a lot, a lot of play out of this. You've never taken out of these cards, have you? But anyway, you get past Catan, you get past Monopoly, and you gradually get people to try introductory games like Carcassonne or Pandemic, and you then begin to flinch when people start asking where the dice is. And it's that explanation of, well, you don't use a dice. On Pandemic, you can choose where you move. You have four moves, you can do what you want with them. And people almost reel at the word choose. They, they don't like choice. They like something to dictate to them how to move. 
And of course, that element of free choice does give some people a nice big hype and think, goodness me, I, I actually can do this. This is going to be something where the game isn't going to cheat. I'm not going to get screwed over on this. I'm going to be able to win this against my opponents through sheer skill. Whereas some people think, what about if people do better than I do? I, I, I don't like that idea. I like knowing that I can roll a six the same opportunity someone else can. And this does have a bigger effect on games like Carcassonne, where you're having to almost pull yourself back slowly as you're teaching people to play and not place those tactical start farmers. You're not intentionally placing town tiles so that you can steal someone else's. You're allowing them to get there gradually. And people are still thinking, I, I don't like this idea of choice. I don't like this idea that someone can outskill me. So we get through all the aggravation of actually trying to get people to play a game, and we get to the actual worst part of playing the game with new people, and that is explaining the rules. And it's not because the rules are hard to understand, it's because these people have never had to actually work with these level of rules, this calibre of understanding. And there's a definite difference between explaining rules to people who've played board games of a certain level before and people who haven't. People who have will sit patiently and wait and try to get it gradually. People who have not will sit there, whine, and interrupt every single time they can, saying, I don't get it. Usually while playing on their phone. Now, I know for some people that is just because they're downright rude. But for some people it is because they are not used to having to focus at that level. They are wanting the fun to start. And while if the fun isn't there, they are not going to be focused. And it's that trick of knowing that it is going to be difficult. Especially when you've got such a large family coming over. None of them having played games, trying to get them to have a go. And I know full well that I always fall into the trap of trying to reword the rules into more understandable terms. While other members repeat exactly what you've said every single sentence with the word right at the end. I have tried time and time again to explain that you can place a farmer, as long as there isn't a field attached, in as many ways as possible, saying that the grass is like water, and if there's something blocking it, the water stops, trying to say, that, imagine it's like an actual force field that prevents you, and every single time someone will repeat the exact same words with the word right at the end, like it's their idea, but the understanding still isn't there, they're still just nodding and smiling, they just want to get on with the fun bit. But I definitely argue that the hardest style of game to get someone who is new to play and understand is a cooperative game. Because it's that understanding that either everybody wins, or no one wins, and you can work together. And it's that always instant reaction of, what do you mean, how do we all win, it's a game, or why would we want to work in a team? And as you're explaining the rules to people and trying to get, trying to get them to do the best they can for the team, they've almost got that look in their eye of, I don't trust you, this is something that you're definitely going to do me out of. And as much as you want everybody to do well and everyone to play their part, there's always going to be that one or two first games where you're having to either carry the team, tell everybody what to do, or you just know that everybody's going to fail and at the end of the game everyone's going to argue, blaming, pointing the finger, knowing that it is sort of one person's fault. You can't say that because you're meant to be encouraging people to play, not saying, right, that's it, you're at the table, let's get the new player in, let's get someone else started. And the other tricky bit about cooperative games is then moving on to competitive games because people fall into a trap of cooperative games means everyone works together, means that you're always a winner or no one's a winner, and that's acceptable because that way then no one can go away gloating. Knowing that a competitive game is coming up, everybody can then become very, very edgy and in that competitive style still ask for that help and you have to almost deter that but it's really tricky because you know full well that they are going to flop. Which brings me on to the final point about why it's so hard to get people to play games. You then, in a competitive game, once you've explained the rules, once everyone's had to go and once everybody's starting to get there, you need to make it for an entire game knowing that you cannot show how experienced you are about the finer tactics. Knowing that if someone says that you didn't do very well this time, is he sure this is your hobby? Are you sure you're doing it right? You're going to be gritting your teeth but smiling inside knowing that next time you're going to absolutely roast them. Or 
in those games where you do absolutely dominate, people questioning whether you actually did plan that move and whether you are tactful or whether it is just sheer luck. And I am guilty of stopping people from playing games beyond one game in some senses of I've played a game with people and I've not been very tactful. I have been immediately going straight for the jugular. And it has made people say, oh, that was really, really fun. But I think I'm all done out now for board games. Let's do something else. And as much as they deserved it, in my opinion, because they were being a bit bit difficult, let's say, I do feel quite bad about actually showing off because I haven't actually helped them get a passion for the actual hobby. It hasn't done anybody any favours. All I've done is made myself feel better about showing them how it should be done. No one has gained anything other than my ego. And of course, if this is someone's first ever game of something a little bit more intense than Ludo, you are going to have to repeat the entire process for the next game because their response is going to be, yeah, I enjoyed that one. But I'd rather stick to something simple, like Monopoly. I'm not sure if you could tell, but this was my actual first attempt at making a podcast. I'm not entirely sure as to whether I've broken any rules about podcasting or if the podcast police are going to be coming for me. But if you've got any feedback on what I've said or any opinions, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm sure I'll hear from you all again soon. Thank you.